It is over. You are nothing. Robin. Beg for mercy. Scream my name. Go. Go to hell. You want death? I deny it to you. I will raise you up. And I will break you. Broken and done. Hi everyone, and thank you for listening to Batman Nightfall, the podcast. My name is Bob, and I'd like to introduce my co-host, Gary. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, hello. Um, and, um, well, this is the first episode of, of Batman Nightfall, the podcast. Um, and basically, our aim is uh, to cover the epic, epic storyline um, yes. from, from, from Batman's uh, past, uh, which really started in the 90s, um, which was titled Nightfall and uh, ran for uh, a couple of years in the end. Uh, it was fantastic. But before we actually get on to the actual story itself, um, obviously introduce myself, uh, I'm Bob Tilly, and, um, and uh, Gary, we're, we're not, uh, we're probably going to sound like it, but we're, um, are we seasoned now, Gary? Casters, or are we just still? Uh, um, the word pad- veteran comes to mind. <laughs> veteran, I liked it. I'll go with that. <laughs> yes, veterans at this uh, type of thing. Um, I don't know if people might have heard me before. Um, I run uh, another Batman website called GothamLightsOnline.com, uh, and we've do another podcast for that uh, of the same name. And uh, Gary, uh, gracious enough, helps me out with that, and has been um, one of my uh, consistent co-hosts pretty much from the beginning. Um, and it's always been a pleasure. And this is one of the things me and Gary got to, together on um, originally. Um, and for yeah. me, this story is is one of... I'm very passionate about this story because for me, this is what brought me into the Batman comics um, from the start. And, uh, and, and yourself, wasn't it, Gary? Uh, it was, definitely. I, I just I remember for Christmas one year, I got a package of just, you know, like a, almost a collected edition, but single issues of a bunch of nightfall stuff and that was the first thing that really brought me into comics too um and it's kind of crazy bob how we've met a bunch of different batman fans and it's the same for a lot of them you know nightfall was one of those stories that it was the first big major long batman storyline in the 90s that you know encompassed several issues you know over several years even um and it just kind of brought everybody in you know Exactly. I mean, with um, one of the other guys who will be soon joining us on the podcast, uh, Tim, um, who helps us out on Gotham Nights Online, will also be joining us as a co-host. Um, and, and you're right, he was it's one of his storylines that he originally came into on as well. Um, and it's you're right, it's such a pinnacle storyline for Batman. Um, it's one of the biggest uh, sort of Batman crossovers that was pretty much ever done. 
Um, and for me, um, I mean, at, at this point where the, the storyline originally started uh, as a prequel to this back in 1992, and around about that time, um, the Batman world in itself was was huge. Um, in 1992, we had the, um, the the sequel to Tim Burton's Batman with Batman Returns, um, and the almighty epic mega Batman <laughs> the animated series had started. Um, right. And you know, for for any Batman fan out there, major diehard Batman fan, everyone knows that. I mean, animated series is pretty much hel- heralded as the all greatest animated series show ever created, and for Batman as well. So, uh, yeah. this for this storyline to start back then, um, you can see the the the, 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 the DC Comics were were very clever in what they did in terms of um, Batman as a property. And uh, you know, encompassing it not just in the movies and the TV, but also the comic books embraced um, this massive scale stuff. So, you know, it yeah. was just an absolutely epic time. It was probably a bit like now. Um, it, it's an absolutely amazing time to be a Batman fan with everything that's going on at the minute. Um, yeah. Comics are huge. There's a new reboot coming up. Um, we've got the new Nolan movie star, and we've got the uh, Arkham City game coming out right now. It, for me, it kind of I don't know if this is the same for you, Gary. It feels yeah. like. I've been taken back to that point, that time where everything <laughs> was awesome and epic about Batman. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's basically the modern version of that, you know, from like 89 to 93 is basically like what we're seeing right now, um, where it's like Batmania, like everything is Batman, yeah. you know, and even you forgot to mention, but I mean, there's the Young Justice cartoon and the the Batman, the Brave and the Bold, which is unfortunately about to end, but, you know, they say another uh, Batman series is going to come out after that. Exactly, um, and what's pretty, Batman Live yeah, is over definitely. here in the UK with the the, the the live action stage production. Even the Batman's gone onto stage now. Which um, you got to see you lucky, you lucky I know, guy. I know. <laughs> um, and if you want to hear more about that, listen to the other podcast. But uh, oh, I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, you're right. It's just such a fantastic time to be a, a, a Batman yeah. fan. Um, so basically, and this is one reason why I wanted to do this podcast. Um, there's, there's a number of Batman podcasts out there right now, um, like the Gotham Knights Online, where we cover everything, and that's pretty much from the current comic news, movies, TV, yeah. everything on there. Um, and then there's another general stuff. There's a, a podcast which sadly just ended, um, uh, Legends of the Batman, which was covering all the Golden Age stuff, um, and has wasn't being done, um, and, and now isn't being done, which is a shame. Um, and there's not very many other. Uh, most of the ones are similar sort of thing that's covering all the news footage and that coverage that's coming out um, from all different industries and for me there was there isn't a podcast out there for Batman that's focusing on something specific um, and I wanted to do something specific and in the end I kind of thought well you know the golden age stuff's being done uh, what's yeah. important to me so that, and this is one reason why we're doing the, this podcast um, the, the Nightform is such an important story to me um, it's one of my cherished childhood moments um because of the movie that was i mean i was becoming a batman fan at that point i'd fell in love with the uh tim burton 1989 version um i'd started getting uh, english format comics were coming out my mum used to buy them for me um and i was got some toys and merchandise and sort of things like that uh, and i was lucky enough at this point in, in in my life um where my brother had just become a comic book manager of a store, <laughs> of other stores, and I used to go in there every every weekend uh, with my parents. And at this point in time, it was when um, 
the, the Nightfall storyline had been starting. But for me, um, it wasn't going into the comic book stores and seeing these comics that were on the, on the shelves. Um, I originally saw a news article in uh, one of our local newspapers, um, and it was just a very small snippet, and it was quite actually saying the new Batman, and it was a photograph of Asbats, uh, very yeah. silhouetted, but it was the new. They were and they were hinting at that Bruce, and they were basically telling the storyline: Bruce Wayne having his back broken. There's going to be a brand new Batman, uh, and it kind of for me just seeing this very small snippet of information about a comic book was like wow what's going on um yeah and And especially as a kid that suit is so cool oh so cool so cool you know (laughs) i don't know if there's a thing is there is there a do you think there's a fence there is there just there's people like absolutely hate the asbat or as people actually you know like ourselves are absolute avid fans of that sort of thing so do you think there's a kind of a, a, a camp for each of them I mean, I'm sure there was, just as there's a camp now of, you know, people that don't like Dick Grayson as Batman. And, you know, I mean, there's always going to be people that don't like change or don't like the new thing or whatever. But, um, I mean, all I can say is I just, I was awestruck as a kid. Like, whoa, look at Batman with the new, the tech suit, you know, and like, it looked really cool. Yeah, I even tried my own costume. I made my own Asbat mask. I'm just glad I never kept it. I've got photographs of it, which I may share one day. Uh, they're very, very sad with my sister dressed up as the Joker, which looks really cool. Um, but yeah, um, it was just one of them things. Just seeing this new, new snippet, seeing that they're going to have a brand new Batman, brand new costume. Um, yeah. And then I was lucky enough to go into, uh, we've got news agents over here. I went into that um, and it was the first time I'd ever seen an American format comic on the shelf in, in, in an English store. Um, and wow. it was uh, Detective Comics. No, it wasn't. It was Batman uh, 497, the breaking oh, yeah. of the Batman. And just seeing Batman snapped over the back of uh, this new villain's uh, knee was like, what's going on? <laughs> and automatic. But the thing is, I didn't buy that issue. My friend did. And I picked up Catwoman issue one. Oh, wow. Now it was like, what? and then all of a sudden I um, realized what was going on. And I begged him. <laughs> I begged and pleaded to have this comic book from him and eventually he just sold it to me. He was like, yeah, I've read it. You know, it was awesome. He was a comic book fan, but he wasn't like, he was majoring Batman and things like that. So he eventually gave me this issue and I was all struck. It was just like, this Batman's got this gauntlet thing, these claws, it shoots out razor sharp. It was just, my mind was, my world was just turned upside down. It was amazing. And then from then on, my brother getting the worst work in this, this store, I obviously then went in and started to get all the, the issues after that. I think I started collecting Nightfall from issue, that was issue 11, and started getting all the back issues from that, yeah. um, which has just been an absolutely fantastic ride. And I have to say, it was the best, it is and it still is one of my all-time favourite storylines. Um, it's up there, um, it'd have to be number one for me still, it's just because of the world it introduced me to, Yeah, it was just amazing. I was kind of surprised to see, uh, apparently, like, IGN, they do those comic ranking lists, and it was only ranked as the 24th best Batman story. Um, which, I mean, granted, you know, we're a little biased, but, I mean, I, I would think it would be bigger than that, but, I mean, still, to be on the list of even the top 25 stories of a character that's been around for 70 years, you know, that, that kind of says something. Definitely. It's pretty um, good going. Yeah. And I mean, we've already talked a little bit about the impact Batman was having at that point, but um, for DC to do this too, you know, they they had just done the uh, the Death of Superman storyline, and it was the first of a series kind of of expanded multi-issue storylines that they'd done since Crisis on Infinite Earths in the '80s. Um, so they realized, oh, we can that this works, you know, this big crossover stories, people like this stuff. 
And then, of course, you know, they had to do it for Batman. Um, you know, and it was a great move for them and an even better move for us, the fans, because it's just such a great story. Definitely. It was it's, it's so epic. Uh, and you're right, at this, this sort of time, I think um, I was reading this in, in the Batman vault, um, that um, DC had realized that a lot of people, at this point, DC Comics had quite a number of, of titles and heroes out there. Right. Um, and it was this whole anti-hero movement as well. So, um, like you mentioned earlier to me, um, they were kind of sort of experimenting on the back of making a more leaner, evil sort of killing Batman. Um, and they were realizing that, you know, people were pick and choosing their titles at this point. So, um, right. this whole crossover event thing, I mean, originally spiraled out of this, uh, the death of Superman, uh, and instead, and the, 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 triangle numbering thing started and a similar sort of thing happened mm. with Nightfall, um, where you had to, instead of just buying, um, that one issue and that, that series, you were forced to actually go in. It was a smart move from DC Comics. You had to go in and buy everything else just to keep up to speed with the rest of the storyline because right. there was no sort of backstory telling you what happened previously. If you'd missed a, an issue out of something else, you know, you were kind of, you had to sort of find out again what was going on through the, the narrative of them storylines. So again, you're yeah. right, it was a, um, a fantastic move by, by DC Comics at that point. Yeah, and I mean, they basically went from, you know, this story started right around, I just read this about the same time a funeral for a friend happened, um, which was a major kind of crossover. All the DC books took a part in it. Um, which is why in the beginning of the series, you can even see Batman and Robin wearing the uh, black armbands with the red Superman symbol on it. Um, and, you know, they, they just kind of, they decided this crossover thing was a good idea. And it really worked for them. You know, it was, uh, it was a good move and something we see them even doing today. Yeah. Because it works so well, you know, and it's, it's cool because, you know, I mean, you could get the core story, sure, if you just got Batman a detective. But then they had all these awesome little side stories featuring Catwoman and Robin and all these other characters that merge into the same story, you know, and it really, it kind of made something unique that they had never really tried before that worked really well. And that's basically what we want to achieve on this podcast. We want to basically go back from the very beginning of Nightfall and take you through every single issue. Each episode will feature um, commentary and narrative on a specific issue uh, of, of Nightfall. Uh, right through tonight's quest, Night's End, and all the uh, side issues that appeared on there. Um, and what we'll also be doing is some uh, character spotlights uh, on some of the major characters that played a massive part in, in the, all these storylines. Uh, and some creator um, spotlights as well. Um, some of my aim is to actually be able to sit down and talk to some of the, the, the great um, creative team behind this whole storyline and get closer to it and create the behind the scenes type of um give you give, give you listeners the behind the scenes look we've also got a website um that i've started up with in conjunction which is um, www.batman-nightfall.com that's where we'll be posting the podcasts and uh, I'll be posting some sort of behind-the-scenes stuff, images, um, all the cover galleries will be on there. I'm going to try and make a, an all-encompassing database for this podcast and, and the whole Nightfall, the Night's End storyline. So uh, fingers crossed you enjoy it. And uh, basically this episode, um, we're going to start with um, just a little bit of background on the, the, the main storyline. Uh, and then we're going to be looking at the, the sort of first sort of initial prequel to the, the Nightfall, which was sort of Azrael, uh, the miniseries, which is issues one to four. Um, and the reason we've chosen to do that, we don't want to sort of thinking out four episodes of, of sort of Azrael, because I think that'll just get a bit too tedious. It wasn't; yeah. it was the setup for all. So we'll get out the um, the the prequels for it first, and then hopefully uh, in a few podcast time we'll actually start the the full main story. Oh, I am John Paul. 
heir to the sword of Azrael. I bend my will to avenge those members of the Order of Saint Dumas betrayed by their fellows. My life is as nothing. I serve in the robe of the Avenging Angel. So um, I think the first thing to, to mention with uh, Nightfall was um, it was originally it started um, the, the the according to originally it started in uh, 1990, April 1993 uh, and that was with issue uh, 491 of uh, Detective uh, Batman um, and then went through for 19 issues um, which was the kind of the the, the prequel um, which was Nightfall uh, and then went into Night's Quest after that. Um, but originally, I mean, and this is how this is my stance on it. The story started much earlier than that, um, with um, the introduction of uh, Azrael. This was created by Denny O'Neill and uh, Joe Crusader, as everyone knows, is the the head honcho for uh, Marvel Comics. Um, yeah. Who was uh, friend? This is basically the start of his career in terms of um, a lot of his work. He originally worked for DC Comics, doing some other stuff. Um, and then uh, there was also another character created uh, alongside uh, Azrael uh, called Bane, who became the main antagonist of the whole storyline. Um, but I just think, I mean, for me, this story starts just a little bit earlier than that as well, because some of the key characters were also introduced. Um, the Doctor, Sandra King-Solving, was introduced. Um, she plays a pivotal role in the main Nightfall storyline um, and through right. to Night Quest, Night Quest The Search. Um, and then there was also, for, basically, at this point... Batman Bruce Wayne was completely spent. Um, he'd been fighting uh, another uh, villain, um, Metalhead, I think he was called, and this guy with all these spikes and all sorts of things. Yeah. And at this point, he was absolutely knackered, completely spent. It was at the end of his end of his his, his, his tether, um, and you could see this in, in a lot of the um, the, the titles. Dick Grayson, not Dick Grayson, sorry. Tim Drake was his current Robin, uh, and he just yeah. sort of started off. I mean, he'd only been Robin for what even was it even a year at this point. Um, so just kind of starting out with him and creating that relationship between him and, and Alfred and that, which was really, really well done. Jim Aparo had just come back to the Batman title, um, who is an amazing artist. One of my, he's one of my favorites because he's one of the first ones I ever saw. So the, the build-up yeah. to Nightfall kind of started happening a lot earlier. So if you do want to look at um, some of that before this, you, um, these are the issues to look at um, just before. I think the first that story arc uh, of Batman um, was uh, I think it started in four eight four. Uh, it originally started uh, before four eight five, uh, and then for a few issues with him against the Black Mask uh, and this other Metalhead character. And quite actually was. Um, and then you, you can see a split because in issue four eight eight was when Azrael was introduced to the actual Batman titles, and before this is where we were given the actual mini series, and before that the mini the um, one off special for Vengeance of Bane. Um, which is what we're going to be covering on, on the next episode um, of this podcast. Um, so first of all, we're going to go back and look at Azrael and his introduction to the Batman universe and then the key roles that he is obviously going to be playing throughout the whole Nightfall, Night Quest and Night's End storyline, uh, which we're really excited to do. Anything else that I forgot to add there, Gary? The big thing right around that time was the anti-heroes were really popular because, you know, you just came off the 80s with the Terminator and, you know, James Bond was really big. I mean, but James Bond's always been big, but, you know, they were they were all kind of like ruthless type anti-hero characters. And then, um, you know, even in the Marvel Universe in the 90s, uh, the Punisher and Ghost Rider were very popular. 
because they were, you know, these kind of dark characters that, you know, didn't didn't have rules. You know, they didn't they weren't afraid to to kill if they had to. No. Um, and so DC wanted to experiment with that. Um, but rather than, you know, dr- dragging Bruce Wayne's name through the mud in case it didn't work, they created a new character to replace him to become the new Batman. Uh, so, you know, doing some research, we apparently we found out that the the whole the impetus for the Nightfall storyline was that they wanted to test out a darker Batman that was willing to kill and, um, you know, have a little more anti-hero character in there while at the same time creating a compelling Bruce Wayne Batman story Um, and uh, you know bring in more the Bat family aspect as opposed to Batman as a solo act yeah exactly that's a good point mentioned actually this this created the whole that aspect the whole Batman family type thing wasn't really that much of a dynamic at this point Um, and it kind of makes the whole end of this it makes Bruce Wayne uh, Batman realise that you know he needs to have strong people around him in order for him to to be able to operate and not, not do it all alone so um, I think in the end it, it created it wasn't just a fantastic storyline it created this whole um, amazing Batman universe that we, we we're all reading about today so yeah. Um, yeah I mean it definitely it set it up for a lot of things that you know we see today um, not to mention you know a replacement for Batman although you know um, these days it was Dick Grayson but you know, I mean, at one point we were going to have maybe possibly a mercenary type Batman if Jason Todd won Battle for the Cowl. So, um, I'd have read that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that would have been interesting. Like, why not have a one-off about you know Jason Todd as his evil Batman? Yeah, exactly. That would have been pretty cool. They didn't do that very often in DC Comics. They did the whole "what if" storylines at Marvel. No, which are really good. I mean, they, they, they had the Elseworlds for a yeah. while, but that kind of just dropped off, and they don't do it anymore, really. Yeah, I'd um, love to see the closest universe. we get. Sorry. What? So you, you oh, I was just going to say the closest we get nowadays is, um, you know, things like uh, the Batman Begins or Batman Beyond stories that are based in an alternate earth, you know, and things like that, where it's not really canon, but it's kind of, you know, and, you know, the Batman, the return, um, return of Bruce Wayne, all that type of stuff, where it's kind of one off stories that, you know, him as a cowboy and whatever, um, but I mean, we don't really get a whole lot of experimentation. No, exactly. and um, I'd love to and, know what universe it is. What this is going to say is, um, what I would love to have seen that. What else, or, or a series of exploring of what happened if um, Bruce Wayne didn't come back, and you know, and it was still John Paul Valley right. as as Batman now. How would that universe look and feel? Yeah, how cool <laughs> that would that'd be, be. That'd be really epic. Cool. <laughs> that would be epic. Yeah. So be. yeah. Um, so obviously, um, going on with the, the first uh, the, the first arc with with Azrael, um, was um, the characters were created by uh, Dennis O'Neill and Joe Quesada, uh, who did the artwork for it. Yep. So it really started in October 1992 um, and ran through to January 1993, which is where um, the Batman uh, sort of prequel storyline then picks up from uh, before the original the actual Nightfall storyline picks up in, in April of '93. Um, and you know, for a, a mini series, um, very, very, very compelling. Um, and yeah. as a one-off, it was very, very good. Um, I mean, I didn't originally read this as part of the original run. I I came into tonight for slap bang in the middle of it. Um, and then as later, a couple of years later to go back and actually finish off my collection and get, um, the, uh, uh sort of as real, um, paper, trade paperback, 
uh, and to read how the whole thing played out was fantastic. I think at this point I want to mention that I knew about this storyline because um, over here in the UK, um, around about 92, uh, as the storyline was progressing, um, BBC Audio um, did the Nightfall um, drama production. Um, so yeah. so much so much has spun out of Nightfall. It's been amazing. So much great merchandise, trading cards, all sorts. Um, but the one thing, um, again, which was so fantastically and it was so pinnacle for me was coming home listening to this radio drama play out over uh, the summer period um, and then being able to purchase the whole thing and, and that's how I knew about the Sword of Azrael storyline because that actually explores this first before uh, the, the actual storyline sort of sort of thing it off in that so to go back and then actually read this story and, and doing it again for this podcast um, it's been fantastic um, it was originally over those the, the four issues um, and it was quite actually the introduction of Jean-Paul Valley and the world of um, the Order of Saint Dumas and how this whole the, the system was set up. Uh, we'll do this, the character spotlight in a moment for, for Azrael, so we don't give too much away. Um, also, explain through the, these reviews, but um, this is kind of the, how the issue basically starts off. And there's no holds barred. I mean, the first, first, I think first of all, I want to mention is the cover um, was a, a, a wraparound cover, which was quite large. Yeah. And it introduced um, Azrael's costume with his flaming swords um, and the older version Azrael, which is his father uh, and Bruce on the front of it, which was a fantastic epic cover straight off the cuff. Um, and I really enjoy Joe Crusader's artwork. Um, the yeah. guy can, can the, the, the dude can draw. It's give, give, give him the, <laughs> it, the probably one reason why he ended up getting the job he got. So um, you, you can't deny it. And I mean, just as a as, as starting off, we're going to go through each sort of just quickly go through each of the pages. Um, we won't do it as in depth as we will do moving forward. But sure. so yeah, so the first issue uh, of uh, Sword of Azrael was titled "Vanishing Angels and Sudden Death," um, and it's quite actually it's um, the introduction to the original Azrael, uh, which we like we find out is um, Jean Paul Valley's uh, father, and it quite actually and it also it's, it's it doesn't hold back. It starts off straight from the cuff. Um, you've got uh, Azrael pointing his uh, finger and his flaming sword uh, coming up with the, the classic lines from Azrael which is, know that men call you liar know that men call you betrayer, know that men call you defiler, therefore it is the duty of the angel Azrael to bring you punishment and he's pointing at this character called Leha who's the main antagonist throughout this series yeah. um, and he, uh, this is the funny thing is the guy, this Leha just pulls out his gun and just shoots him and he's ended up there in the window the bloody mess um, they exchange some words for for a couple of panels, and then all of a sudden he um, slices his face and takes his eye out with his flaming sword, and then uh, he he shoots him uh, quite actually through the window. And you see in this this next scene is the massive party scene um, for the um, for Gotham City, and um, you see him this like the angel falling from the sky kind of thing. So I think the first, straight away it, it just gets on with, it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean you you're jumping into the middle of a you know a crazy story right here. Um, and, and like you said, you know, um, you, you see this this fat, hairy mob boss, <laughs> you know, against this big, huge, demonic-looking guy with a flaming sword, you know, and you you kind of think right away, like, how is that guy gonna win? And then he just kind of pulls out a gun, and it's like boom, boom, and Azrael's down <laughs> for the count already, yeah. you know, and it, it's kind of crazy because you know you see this big guy dressed up basically like a medieval batman kind of and you know he's taken down real easily exactly but I mean, um, it's, it's all like the knights of the crusade isn't it and i think the, the premise yeah. to setting up this this and it works really well is that old um faith and orders with all this old weaponry isn't going to cut it in the, in the new age um these guys an arms dealer 
um, and he's quite actually got armor piercing bullets. And then quite actually, this is when we see um, Azrael, from, the original Azrael, falling through the, the window and into into the crowd. Um, and again, he, he just carry, he just gets on with it. Um, and I think this for me, this is where you kind of realise it's quite a brutal comic. Um, yeah. As he's fallen in the background, he then um, manages to grab hold of uh, a banner, sort of slow his descent a little bit, then gets onto yeah. a horse and then mows down two um, news presenters in the middle of this this Gotham parade. Um, and quite sure you're seeing you know blood and brain matter going up in the air as they're getting trampled <laughs> by this horse. And you think, yeah. oh, already it's you know it's it's not for the faint-hearted. If um, back in the day, if I was a child reading this, it would have been like, oh, okay, um, and make sure I'm going to see what I'm reading here, kind of thing. I think that's kind of part of the reason I liked it too, is because it was kind of like, wow, I get to read this. Yeah. You know, like and being a kid, you know, it's kind of like Forbidden Fruit almost, because it's just so graphic right away. You know, you're kind of drawn right into it. Exactly. And then uh, it just then the, for the next uh, couple of pages, you see him progressing through the streets of Gotham, um, limping uh, and, and bleeding to death. And uh, he then makes it to the um, the door of the Gotham City University, um, where we're introduced to the main character, which is Jean Paul Valley. Um, and at this point, he realizes he, he um, what's going on. He then takes off his mask, realizes it's his father, and, and tries to help him. Um, unfortunately, you know the next few pages in, his father dies, but he gives him some instructions. Um, and to go and uh, basically there's a package for him um, in Switzerland and he needs to go in and uh, basically uh, go to Switzerland, open the package, open the package, go to Switzerland and he, he have further instructions from there. And, you know, for Sean Paul Pally, this is like he's, he's um, what's his original, um, he's a, a graduate um, sci- uh, computer science nerd, isn't he? Um, yeah. And then quite actually just getting thrown into this. And it, it, this is what I love about this, this, this first story is it just gets on with it. There's no, you know, faffing around. Um, you, you've you already seen the first two main, the main character introduced, and it goes from there. And you look at him, I mean, he's just this kind of weak, almost teenage-looking, like, really young, small kid, you know, and he's given this role by his father just out of nowhere, and he's never known about it. So, you know, it's kind of crazy, you know, and, and that's something we can all kind of relate to, which I think is one of the strengths of the story, because... You know, we we all kind of get sprung into roles that we didn't expect right away, you know, um, at some point or another. So it's kind of neat because, you know, he's kind of the normal guy that just kind of gets thrown into this, yeah. you know, and we can be like, that could happen to me, you know, um, especially him, like this small little guy that's just kind of emotional and nerdy and, you know, like you said, a computer science guy, not a crim- crime fighter, you know. Um, also he so that, <laughs> yeah um, I mean we find out later on apparently he's been uh, he knows a little more about it than we think but you know it's still really interesting to yeah. see you know I think again you're right it's, it's a testament to this this story is because you get swept up with him um, you're taken along for his ride because he doesn't know what's going on we don't know what's going right. on and then you go on that this journey with him and that's quite literally within the first um, six or seven pages of, of the issue so um, it's really well paced and it's a testament to what Danny O'Neill can actually do um, yeah. and straight after this scene then we're then uh, introduced to, to, to Batman um, which is taken quite a um, which is, is which sorry we're introduced to Batman um, and it's such a. I mean, for, I don't know if you were wrong. This is um, this is probably the, the only downfall I've got is the way that Bruce Wayne is portrayed in this this storyline. Um, yeah. He can be quite um, calculating and quite um, cold, um, more cold so than than I was originally used to. Um, 
even going back and reading it now, I think so. It's kind of it almost seems out of character when you first sort of read some of his first sort of lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're, they're, they're commentating what's happened with this fallen angel. They get on with it. Um, this guy's been. Uh, they found this bullet-ridden um, Kevlar vest. Um, which the bullets obviously gone straight through and, and, and killed the occupant. And uh, yeah. Bruce Wayne basically goes on this journey to um, tell Alfred that he's going to go and find out uh, what's going on. And his first sort of portal call is going to be Leha, uh, because it's where the windows he fell out of. Um, so that kind of just sets it up straight away in terms of what um, Bruce Wayne's going to do. Um, what do you, how do you feel about the characterization of, of uh, between Batman and Bruce Wayne? Batman and, and Alfred, sorry. <laughs> um, like you said, it's kind of really cold. Um like the most emotion you see out of him in the beginning of the story was where he admits that this reporter that he liked was killed in the riot. And that's the reason he's looking at it. But other than that, you know, he's very much Batman, not really Bruce Wayne, you know, very kind of driven and, uh, cut off, you know, um, and kind of just tells Alfred what he needs to and gets on with it rather than, interacting with him on a human level um and what what i actually like about this scene is you kind of see him basically just putting on a batman sweater and then gloves over it you know a very kind of classic batman image but um you know in the movies you always see it with the the kind of the kevlar and the the battleized suit or whatever but he's just putting on a sweater (laughs) you know not even a bulletproof vest underneath it just just, batman sweater yeah and i mean when you see that it's kind of no wonder how bane was able to snap his back so easily because he's just he's wearing cotton yeah um and you know alfred's just kind of standing there holding his cape and you know talking to him and um you know batman's just kind of okay now i'm gonna go alfred <laughs> you know and that's about it yep no real interaction no, but again, it gets on with it. You're just setting up the scene of what he's, why he's doing it, and what he's going to do next, um, right. which then takes us on to the next scene. Again, it's very, very quick paced. Um, you quickly see uh, Jean Paul Valley um, when then taking his father's body away. He reads the package. He then um, fires off to Switzerland, uh, where he's met by um, the, these guards and taken to the to the chalet. Um, mm-hmm. This is where we then get introduced to um, uh, Novak, um, the yeah. the kind of the the, the funny looking dwarf. Um, yeah. evil looking dwarf kind of character and again you, you kind of get a sense of how cold and calculated this kind of character is um, and straight away um, there's there's no mucking around um, he gets the bodyguard to uh, knock Jean Paul Valley around a little bit um, to kind of snap him into his, his, his the, what's called the system um, and this is basically I mean the, the, this, this scene is basically set up just to tell us what the system's all about and who his father was and that he's been trained from birth um, yeah so there's no sort of, I mean, they could have explained this over a whole issue um, of how he was trained and things sort of thing. Um, but it's good because obviously, I mean, eventually he gets his own series and this gets explained more and more and more about the actual system. And it's kind of like him, of, of sort of hypnosis, isn't it? He, um, yeah. he, if he, he goes into, once he goes into battle or, he, or he's um, antagonized um, for whatever reason, uh, he then goes into this, um, the, the Azrael uh, persona then comes out straight away. And he goes into this sort of like assassin rage um and, and you know he's pretty much doing anything and everything and he's been trained from birth which is kind of what was, was a really interesting aspect that i originally thought when i first read it was like, that's a really cool idea but like subconsciously you know like his father wasn't actively fight training him he was just 
you know, I, I'm I'm gathering from what they say. I mean, they might expand on it later, and I just haven't read it in the actual Ezreal series. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's kind of like I gather, you know, kid type stuff, where his father might have had him, you know, paint the house, and that taught him something, you know, or whatever. And then, like you said, hypno hypnosis, you know, and um, kind of brainwashing you know, where it wasn't really something that he knew was happening, but during his sleep, he would kind of be subconsciously trained. Yeah. Um, and one thing I always thought was weird about this um, was Namaz, the, the little dwarf dude. I just thought that was a really weird kind of 90s thing, you know? It seems like they would bring that out a lot more. I mean, he almost looks like a demon, kind of, you yeah. know? Um, and I just, I always thought that guy was weird. I didn't realize why he was there. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't think he needed to look that way exactly, but you know, that was their choice. <laughs> no, I think it's good to the scene where he kind of, um, originally I think he tries to fight him, doesn't he? Um, does he yeah. Try, and then you kind of realizing that he's part of this old order, which is part of the Knights of the Crusade. Um, and that they're still around and they avenge. Uh, I don't actually explain what they actually avenge, but, um, uh, I don't even father remember the secretization, uh, that dates back to the, to the 14th century and basically just tells him that his father was a killer and a murderer of women and children uh, that's enough to, yeah. s- to send anyone mad I would imagine but yeah it was there. so again he yeah. gets on with it it's a nice little scene you get an explanation of, of why who his father was and why John Paul Valley is there um, and then it cuts to uh, a classic Batman scene where he's doing a bit of his detective yeah, work definitely. he goes to the um, the uh, Lee House um, penthouse apartment and, the uh, cool '90s cape drawings. Yeah, exactly. You know, the say, cape looked really long and flowing and awesome. All spiky, isn't it? And it's kind of yeah. out of. I miss it. It kind of almost like the spawn element um, that yeah. they did a lot back in, in in that day. And I mean, if you notice, he's always got these massive pointy uh, shoulders. And I always wonder yeah. what's actually under there. Is that just the way the cow's shaped, or is there something under there to pro- pro- yeah. pro- purpose or sort? I don't know. It looks cool, but it never really sort of served a purpose. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then it's weird because some scenes it looks like his normal shoulders, but then on other scenes it's like, you know, that cool spiky, awesome shield look, you know, and there's nothing really under there. But Exactly. It looks really menacing. It's really, really cool. But again, this is a great scene. You're just seeing him doing his detective work. He goes into the apartment, um, looks for the um, the, the bullets and realizes that the shell is still there. And, um, but, you know, he knows he's on sort of the right track. Um, and then he goes back to the Batcave. Um, uh, I don't know. Where Alfred's being ignored again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Some ignoring scenes. Um, I'm just trying to figure out what the. Oh, that's this really really cool. Um, he's left these um, this infrared listening device on the the rooftop, which is pointing straight oh, at yeah. uh, Lehar's apartment, which I thought was really cool. And then he gets to hear what he's all going on about and the, the next arms yeah. deal that he's doing, um, which is all again he sort of sets up the the, the next sort of issue. Um, and then we've got uh, back to um, uh, Nomaz, and then they give more an explanation of what the whole order is all about. Um, and you kind of, this is where he sort of triggers John Paul Valley's um, hypnosis uh, and triggers the whole Azrael uh, guys, um, mm-hmm. which is really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, the first time we kind of see that, and, you know, he actually kind of starts to turn into Azrael yeah. rather than just being this weak little kid. Yeah. yeah, and you can see that through the the, the image that uh, he's drawn with. He got the the medallion showing his um, his glasses there. 
cool yep so it goes then on to um basically carries on with his detective work uh and it's good good seeing this because he's talking to jim gordon uh gets a bit more of the backstory in terms of what the actual journey the uh, fallen angel took um and it discovers that there there was a sword that hasn't been recovered and it's a good little scene because you get him jumps into the alleyway uh realizing uh there's this um this locked griddle uh gate uh, that he ends up opening up and finding um, his flaming sword in there with the um, sigil on the end of it. And this is the same sigil that he's showing Jean Paul Valley because it switches scenes then, showing you him going through his hypnosis again, uh, where he actually unlocks it. And it's a really good page just after that where you end up seeing this sort of journey as he sort of unlocks the yeah. whole spirit of Azrael uh, into him, uh, which was really, really good. Very demonic. Um, I want to say real quick, I also liked the Jim Gordon moment. It was really short, but right at the end of it, uh, Gordon's just like, uh, gone as usual. <laughs> he can make you lonely faster than anybody on Earth. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just, I always like that moment because, you know, they, they always kind of mention that about how Batman disappears so quickly, you know, and I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, and it's nice to just go back to it every now and then and not forget about it because obviously new fans come into it, just create, right. create that world, isn't it? And um, But you are right, that, that one picture I remember really captured my imagination when I was younger, you know, cause you're literally seeing this kid's face turn into Azrael, you know? Um, and you know, on one side you got, you know, the boy and then on the other side you have the, the angel of death, you know? Um, and it's a really cool image. Yeah. Very, very powerful. And there's just the whole, yeah. it almost reminds you, it, it sort of takes a shift in the artwork, uh, ever so slightly, then just brought, brings it back straight away on the page again. Right. But it was like um, just Jean Paul is just uh, after this he says that was pretty funny, and he just <laughs> hit him. So this guy goes up to him to, to try and knock him out, and he just takes this really big bulking um, hitman down uh, straight away. And then at the very end of this scene, he says, "I've become a tough guy." <laughs> and he has this like menacing face on, but he still looks like a little kid, and he's yeah. wearing glasses, you know. Um, and that's what I think is kind of funny. Looking back on this series, he looks like a little kid now, but in less than a year, he looks like a full-grown man. You know, and it's just kind of crazy. I mean, he's he's in his 20s now, right? Um, probably. I would say I, so. I don't yeah. know if they ever would say it. No, but I mean, he looks he looks really young to me at some certain points, especially in these first few issues. Um, but then you know he, he grows up real quick too, so that, that's kind of interesting his journey is a, definitely definitely is a man, you, you, you know? see it, and that's the good thing about this whole storyline you see that shaping of a character and it's done pretty quick um yeah but um in terms of something that is a character i mean i, I fell in love with it straight away um not just reading it from from this obviously i didn't go straight back to this i just start off with this it was right in the middle of it all so for me jean paul valley as, as a batman was was working for me straight away as a new fan coming into it right Cool. So this issue pretty much finishes off with um, the bit he's asked Oracle to do some investigation on the sigil, and she gives up some more background in terms of the Order of Saint Dumas, um, and it's sort of based up in Switzerland somewhere. So that kind of is where the journey sort of sh- shifts. Um, Alfred and Batman then uh, get suited and booted to take a trip up to to Switzerland. Um, and then we go back to see um, uh, Novak and uh, sorry, Nomos and uh, on, Novak, Nomos. Uh, and Jean-Paul um, end up going up to the the chalet, um, and there's the he gets more of a he's listening in on, on the conversation between Lehar again, uh, and the shipment that's being uh, brought into Gotham, 
Uh, so he kind of lays against the clock to, to to stop this from happening. So in theory, it's kind of sort of two storylines start to emerge from this first issue, where he knows he's got to try and stop Leha and also the investigation behind uh, the um, the fallen angel, uh, who has got nothing, no idea about straight at first off. Yeah, and and I, you know me, I always like to point out the funny little moments, and I love Alfred with a uh, his cup of tea sitting in the chopper with Bruce. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going on this very serious investigation about this cult that, you know, is obviously involved somehow in these murders. And Alfred's just sitting there with some tea, you know? Um, in a chopper. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little pinky up. It's it's a typical uh, t- 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 typical Brit there, having a cup yeah. of tea or even in an airplane helicopter. <laughs> of course, you know, he's the butler, so he's relishing the one moment where he doesn't actually have to fry, fly the thing you know he's not doing the the handiwork he's just relaxing for one um you know with his his, his uh spot of tea that's exactly. just kind of funny and the whole bruce if you didn't even notice the whole bruce wayne thing with the shades on you know looking really yeah. um uh what's it die hard um from mclean <laughs> yeah 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 very kind of uh 80s or 90s pilot vibe you know like a top gun type yeah. thing. The, the aviators um and then real quick, there's an explosion. You know, the, the Laha guy fires off his launcher. Um, and that's where it ends. Yeah, pretty much. He's gone then to uh, to take out the rest of... Uh, he's now starting his continued crusade to take out the rest of the Order of St. Dumas uh, so he can, you know, gather all their, their, their funds. And he's ready, this, the, the very last uh, panel is him shooting his rocket launcher at the helicopter, um, which then takes us on to uh, issue number two. And you, you can even see though in that one shot he still ha- he has a pretty big scar from that one hit Azrael got in on him. Yeah, um, he's got no eye right. now, is he? Yeah, and so uh, you, you can see like I don't know if they really made a huge point of it. Um, well, actually, I don't think we've even seen Laha since that first scene. Not really. No, this um, is a good thing. I think this issue was more the premise of setting up um, right. the the storyline between you know getting Batman his his mission in, in essence. I don't know who he's who he's against and what he's investigating. Um, which is good because then they, you've got on it. You've got all the backstory you needed in this first issue, and right. you know it's not dragged out. I mean, if this was done today, this was probably would have been dragged out over a uh, twelve-issue miniseries of some sort. Yeah, similar. definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and and I like the uh, <laughs> that one little moment. Um, Gene Paul Valley is talking to what's the guy's name? Namak. Namas. Namas, right? Um, and. Uh, He's handing him his uh, Azrael garb, and Jean Paul Valley says, "If I'm an angel, why do I need a bulletproof vest?" And he just tells him to get quiet, like just shut up. Shut up! You're wearing a vest, <laughs> you know, it, bit of a vest. Yeah, Team male. Take it on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, later on, we'll get to see the really cool updated Azrael costume. But, exactly. Um, that was just the first introduction to it there, and you, you only see a little bit of it, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen the on the, on the cover the new Nazro right. costume, so um, it's sort of it's not really sort of protected in terms of you know we're going to get a new costume in this mini series, um, but it's just all round. It was a good introduction issue, um, and gets on with it, um, and then that takes us on to issue two, which is titled Azrael does not protect. 
does and not. He does not. And <laughs> another great cover. He's in the old um, old Azrael garb still, um, and he's uh, with, a, with a bloody Batman uh, across him. Um, just yeah. the, I think for me this is kind of where it comes out of its element a little bit. Obviously the explosion from the end of the last issue, and then we see this chalet being blown up and the, the helicopter being taken up yeah. in this explosion, and you kind of think you know that would have gone up in smoke, but instead it, it kind of crashes harmlessly into a tree and they're hung upside down there's no smoke or flames i'm thinking at this point that really they should be fleeing from the helicopter because it's going to go up in smoke any minute yeah and alfred's face as they're crashing is just priceless indeed how long did i nap (laughs) Um, yeah bruce is bruce is very gritty and determined and alfred's just like "Ah." we're upside down we're okay (laughs) yeah but then they're upside down and um you know, he, he saw the missile. He remembers he saw the missile launcher in the background. Um, and, you know, just kind of moves on from there. And you see the little uh, the shelter underneath the building where Gene Paul Valley and uh, his mentor are hiding. Um, so, I mean, th- that's one of the things that's interesting about the, the this whole series, really. Um, but more so now and in the last issue, it jumps very quickly from, you know, one group to the next. Yeah. So, you know, you're seeing Bruce and Alfred hanging upside down in a helicopter, and then it jumps to the fallout shelter. And then you see Laha and his guys, and then, you know, jumps back to Bruce, and then back to the back to the shelter. Yeah, it's know. paced very, very well, and sometimes it, it it's very, very it, it quick. It keeps your interest, you know, it's not dragged out, um, you know. And so, anyways, um, you know, they're in the fallout shelter, and he's explaining that, you know, they had this there, um... And then there's an avalanche started because of the fire of that huge weapon. Um, and so then Bruce develops uh, snowshoes out of twine and twigs and branches and stuff. So him and Alfred can travel on the on the snow. Yeah. Very, very Bruce Wayne thing to do. Yeah, Boy yeah. Scout-ish. I think he's mentioned that, isn't he? Um, you're, you're a shining yeah. example to Boy Scouts everywhere. <laughs> it just reminds me of that uh that one thing um I was it in uh, Batman Begins that one scene where Alfred's just like I hope you're not with the fire brigade <laughs> and he knocks <laughs> him out I, I I don't know why that just reminded me of that you know mentioning the boy scouts there um and you know, they they're trekking through the snow and Bruce is recalling what he saw um and you know the avalanche I guess the, he realizes the other guys got taken down with it, um, but they escaped. Yeah, and this is an interesting scene, I think, is what I want to mention is um, obviously Avalanche trigger, everyone's trying to get away from it, especially Lehar in, in his guard, but this is kind of where the madness of Lehar sets in um, because yeah. they're the... Um, the, the Order of St. Dumas, their kind of evil demon, that, that um, the, the, the sinner, is uh, the evil Lord uh, B.S. And uh, at this moment, he has kind of a, a, a vision, uh, thinks he sees his vision in the avalanche. Um, and he's kind of, the, the, the Lord B.S. is calling to him. And the kind of the madness of him sets in now, because um, just after they have managed to escape the avalanche, um, you see in he, this is kind of what he's seeing uh, in his mind. It's this like demonic image embedded into the the side of the mountain she looks really cool by the way yeah it was like the punisher <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> but yeah so he, he sees that um and then right then you can tell he's crazy he kills his partner yeah and it's a horrible um, scene where you've got him stood there with his, his silhouetted version yeah. putting his heart out which is yeah and all you see is a little flash of red in the middle of it from where the blood is dripping down and um 
everything else is all just a silhouette of him with this knife and blood everywhere. Um, really kind of creepy. Hmm. Which um, I, also I, just, I, I want to mention real quick that cover that you talked about with Batman on the ground. I love. I was thinking about it when I saw that, and again now when I see this, I loved how in the '90s, blood was like crazy, like everywhere. You know, like all over that Batman, there's just like drips of blood yeah. all over him. And, and just seems to be a, yeah, a river yeah. of blood. As he yeah, got like nose almost put blood on there. Yeah, bordering on the absurd, like just crazy amounts of blood. They loved using blood in comics, um, for the imagery. And, you know, it just kind of reminded me of that right now, seeing that with the blood dripping all over him. Um, you know, he's basically just gutted his partner. Oh, no, he decapitated him. Yeah, he, he cut yeah, his head cuts off. off yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, like Bob just mentioned, that was his descent into madness. Um, and then we're back to Bruce. Bruce again, which is the brilliant scene here. This is his line he comes out because he's obviously giving his coat to Alfred because he's getting cold. And then yeah. um, this, this line he comes out, I have another suit, the one I wear... Uh, when there's a possibility of meeting serious bad guys, brilliant line. I love it. Yeah, and of course Bruce doesn't need it because as we as we just talked about in the last issue, his bat suit is a sweater. Yeah. So <laughs> he's protected from the elements. And as you say, he's also you you, you visibly notice his shoulders, these big spikes that are sticking out of his shoulder at this point. Still trying to figure out what sort of purpose they they hold really. Yeah. It basically it looks almost like mini versions of Azrael's cape, you know, but it's just there. Um, so yeah, anyways, um, you know, they're, you know, he just put on his cowl and he's ready for action. Alfred's standing there with the two parkas on and the shelter explodes in front of them. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're just kind of reeling from that. Um, and you know, Batman is thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? And then a hovercraft pops out of the ground. Yeah. They can hear an engine, can't they? This really cool looking hovercraft yeah. kind of pops out really very nineties. Yeah, but very, like, futuristic 90s. Um, you know, like, it almost looks like it doesn't even belong. It reminds me of, um... This is gonna sound really dumb, but in uh, Fantastic Four 2, they had that Fantastic Car. Oh, yeah. It basically just reminds me of a bigger version of that, kind of, except, you know, very kind of 90s chromed out. Um, the big dungeons. It just kind of pops out of the ground out of nowhere. <laughs> and Alfred's like, what the heck, a hovercraft? <laughs> um... And you know, so then Bruce gets in the chase. Yeah, which is good because there's this. Um, you kind of get the sense of oh, Jean Paul Valley. He's kind of like you know, what do I what do I do? Puts on the old garb and then ends up coming out and then sort of switches into his Azrael mode. Uh, and right. there's this great fight sequence between these two uh, in the sky, um, end up in the snow and sort of um, try to take each of out. And this is where you discover that um, he obviously he's got this flaming sword. Um, yeah. And then tries to sort of take Batman out. It's, 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 it lasts over quite a few pages near the, the fight sequence. Yeah, what, what I love, by the way, before, when they're sitting in the hovercraft, he has his Asriel garb on, but he still has his glasses. Yeah. So it's like this little nerd in this big costume. Um, and then, you know, he pops out, and they, he just suddenly attacks Bruce. And, and Batman's like, okay, come on, we don't have to fight. <laughs> and he just hits him again. And he's like, all right, that's one, but I'm not going to give you a second one. You know, like, that's it. Your, your last chance and then he pulls out the sword like you said and it's yeah. all menacing um and <laughs> and i love how uh, alfred by the way to help him he says master batman behind you <laughs> um which i mean obviously master bruce and he knows it's his code name so he's not gonna spoil identity out no in the middle of nowhere. doesn't he give it away at some point here where he mentions it you think yourself well you've just said that in front of him 
Yeah, he does a little bit later on. Um, I believe when he's talking to uh, the two of the the you know Azriel and Nimaz separately, I believe he, you know, says who he is right away, without Bruce being there, which doesn't sound smart. Like Bruce no. feels have to say in it. I I would think it's his identity, but you know, um, it was it was a kind of endearing moment at the point. But um, anyways, we're not there yet. Uh, Hovercraft gets away. And Bruce is now on the ground, and his cape is gone. Um, and uh, he goes into the, the shelter to investigate, doesn't he? It, uh, oh right, yeah. He jumps out yeah. of the, the shelter, and at this point, we know um, no master and Azrael are watching him, so he triggers an explosion. Uh, at this point, we think he's been he's yeah, been blown they have, up. Yeah, they have like a, a self-destruct type yeah. thing. Um, and uh, we get a quick flash of back to Lahai, um, suiting up as the demon. Uh, how do you pronounce it? BS. The demon yes. BS. Yes. So, um, and then it, it's a pretty cool shot because you see him putting on his makeup and whatnot. And then they have a whole shot of him with his gear on and uh, Gene Paul with the Azrael, the new Azrael updated. That's suit. right. That with the flaming really sword cool. that comes out. They've gone it instead. Yeah. Yeah. And so you see the shot of them juxtaposed, you know, the bad guy and the good guy, you know, this little short, fat, you know, bad guy. And you know the thin, tall, good guy, um, and you know it's just kind of a nice, little, neat little imagery there. Yeah, it's very well and, done. And then, and then you see the cool gauntlets, you know, which I mean that's kind of the centerpiece of that outfit, and you know the updated mask, which looks really cool, kind of of course hearkening of Batman a little bit, um, you know, to kind of get that cross promotion, um, and you know a little more explanation of his the the character of Azrael, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And they just keep each, each issue, they just add to it, don't they? So eventually, yeah. the, the miniseries, you've got this really good understanding of what the order is, the system, and... Yeah, you get a good Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you see this, uh, another, again, with the, the cool imagery, they have a shot right next to each other of one, you know, this wide-eyed kid with bright blue eyes, and this little hairy uh, mentor <laughs> with the little, the little red eye, little beady red eye, um juxtaposed to each other where you know you kind of see him where he's still kind of holding on to his good side and this other guy who you know he's very kind of uh dark and you know um i don't know how to put it but you know he's been kind of exposed to the world and stuff so he he has more of a darker view of it and this kid's still trying to hold on to his yeah um, still trying to hold on to his emotions and uh which is obviously you know, key, isn't it? Because obviously, near the end of this storyline, it plays pivotal in terms of his involvement or what's going to happen right. and how his decision making, isn't it? And and then we got some gratuitous shots <laughs> that we really didn't need. Um, yeah, yeah. The one, the one big fat ugly guy in the story, we have to see naked, of course. Um, which I mean, I mean, there is a point to it. You know, it's it's showing that he's kind of totally gone nuts he's slipping he's further into madness standing naked looking into the mirror talking to himself but he's not really talking to himself he's talking to his lord the demon um but you know he's just kind of standing there pointing a gun around and you know obviously on the deep edge now then um talking about how he is to serve his master so you know he's to- full on crazy at this point yeah um, definitely was no need for the, for the imagery on that but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
that was pretty good. Then we get back to them. We actually realise it's kind of strange because obviously the, 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 we've, we thought that they've been blown up at this point in, in the chalet. But then he's underneath the, the still underneath there, and, and a lot of it's still intact. And he's going through a lot of the um, the equipment that's still down there, trying to sort of piece together, um, you know, the next clue and where they can go from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's you know he's looking through all the stuff, <laughs> and of course. While he's doing his research, Alfred is looking through their food supply and seeing what he can make <laughs> for uh, for uh, Bruce to eat. Um, and I don't think it, it's I think it's the next scene. Oh yeah, no, that's right there. <laughs> he made a uh, spinach fajitas. Yes, it, yeah. Which you know, and um, a, a chocolate fajita would be barbarian. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bruce Bruce suggested they're in Switzerland, so they should use chocolate instead. And Alfred was just like, "Are you insane?" <laughs> <laughs> Are you mad? Um, yeah, well, that's basically what he says. And then, and then Alfred tastes it, and he's like, "Well, maybe I should have gone with the chocolate because it really, I guess, wasn't wasn't up to his standards." But um, you know, then we move on a little bit, and uh, Bruce suddenly realizes um, there is seems like he's starting to realize that uh, you know Saint Dumas was watching and knew all the time, and. Um, you know that there are bombs involved. So then we flash back to Gene Ball Valley again in another cool scene. Yeah, this is where they kind of start piecing together his BS's plan and who he's going to yeah. go after in, in terms of the uh, the other existing members of the Order of Saint Dumas to amass their wealth, um, which is you know pretty good. Is, is very yeah. quick explanation of what's going on. That was great because it kind of it moved the story on very very quickly. Um, and then we get um, well, what's BS up to at this point. Um, he's getting on his garb again, isn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah. Basically, explain who he's going to go with, go go after, uh, and it, it then shoots back then to Batman and Alfred, um, and he actually gets the clue in terms of the satellite relays and everything he's been using. So he kind of gets that cross communication. He gets Oracle to check, um, right. and then they kind of start picking up the targets themselves, which then shifts to the hospital scene um, as uh, Azrael's trying to put on his garbs quickly to go and rescue this uh, other guy. Another brutal scene where you see BS um, in the hospital shooting this nurse and pretty much taking out most of her guts, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he we, goes... He just passed over, by the way, another shot of this man's bare chest, which I don't know why we need it, but he painted, uh, I guess, that demon face that he saw in the snow yes, on his it. chest. But then he goes and covers it up with all his other stuff anyways. So I don't know why they need to show us that. Um, but I did want to go and point out that I really loved the costume design on Asriel and how do you say it again? I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Um, they're very kind of, they've got an old world feel to them, but they're also very futuristic. Yeah. Especially with the guns. Yeah. The guns. And then, you know, Asriel with his gauntlets, with the swords coming out of them. Um, you know, and those kind of look technological, but the rest of the suit kind of harkens back to the the old Ezreal costume, you know, and I really think those designs were done very well. Yeah, and uh, very typical 90s with the big big shoulder pads yeah. and the big guns with all the massive holes and the lasers. And yeah, and, and very 90s futuristic, too. Yeah. You know, like, um, one thing I've noticed, uh, the 90s, I mean, we all kind of know it if you read comics in the 90s, they, they very much had uh, a certain feel when they were trying to do something that was futuristic or alien the technology all kind of looks 
it has a very certain similar feel to it. Big, um, it's always and, bigger than what it you know that it usually should be. Yeah, creates an essence and, and, of and, and lots attitude. of blockiness and red lights on it, um, and chrome. They liked chrome a lot, <laughs> um, and you know it's just kind of cool to see that again because you know it's, it, that's what's fun about rereading older stuff is you get to see that style and kind of relive that day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the last shot was like you said. Um, you know, Gene Paul Valley trying to get his suit on to be the protector or, you know, the Avenger, um, gets shot and he's just, you know, he's lying on the ground dead with his duffel bag and his suit falling out. Um, cause he didn't get it on in time. No. So, da, da, da. <laughs> yep. To be continued. Uh, again, it yeah. gets on with it, with another climatic cliffhanger ending again, uh, which right. then takes us on to issue three, um, which is another great cover, um, uh, with a demonic hand coming out, holding the shredded, uh, back costume, right. that suit in its hand, yeah. all the blood harkening again, back to more the, blood. Uh, harkening back to the famous imagery we saw um, only a little while before that with uh, the death of Superman, with that shredded cape and that very iconic kind of look of the hero, you know, like his suit has been torn to shreds and the, the, the bad guys are the victor, you know, and it was kind of a cool way to do it. Um, rather than just showing Batman bloody on the ground with this guy standing over him, you know, it's a little more subtle. You know, it's just the bat suit shredded in this demonic-looking hand. Exactly. And blood everywhere, of course. Mm, great image. <laughs> a very good cover. Georgia thinks one of yeah. my favorites out of the whole thing, actually, because it's just very symbolic. Yeah, really poignant. Mm. Um, and then, you know, basically they show uh, a minute of what we had just seen, um, you know, where in the TV shows it would be like, previously on Batman Night Zone. Um <laughs> Or sort of Azrael, sorry. Uh, he um, it shows him getting shot and falling out of the window again, and landing on the ground. Um, and this time it looks like I guess they didn't show it last time, but it looks like he kind of landed a little bit on the ambulance, and maybe it cushioned his blow when he hit the ground. Um, and of course, you know, we assume he's dead because he was shot with those bad bullets again. But uh, turns out, you know, um he's just laying there on the ground and we don't know what's going on. No. And Alfred goes to help him. And, um, meanwhile, Bruce springs into action. Yes. He goes on the chase, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and so you see, you know, Bruce doing some cool parkour, jumping through the window that, uh, Jean Paul Valley just fell out of. And meanwhile, there's this huge demonic looking dude here. And Bruce is just, what the heck is going on? You know, no one really knows. And, um, you see him racing through the hospital looking for this bad guy who's standing over the patient. Um, oh, he's and, over uh, no, no mass at this point, isn't he? And his gun jams. Very, yeah. Very, very conveniently jams. Yeah. Of course. Um, so they show him, he went into a, a, some sort of storage room looking for the demon Baez. Is it Baez? Is that Baez. Baez. Dang it. I'll get it right <laughs> by the end. I promise, guys. Um, so... Um, you know, he's looking in this storage room and uh, the demon pushes over a shelf of all these chemicals and it lands on top of Bruce. And you see this really cool shot of him with a leather jacket that's all ripped up now and the bat suit underneath just looking angry and covered in green chemicals. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the demon's there. And then all of a sudden you see a shot, one shot of Bruce Wayne's face looking kind of rem- recogni- reminiscent for me of Rocky in the middle of a fight yeah. 
just kind of like out of it and like ooh, ooh, hey. and uh and then um very much like in uh, Batman Begins with the Scarecrow serum you see him or his inter- his mind's interpretation of what the guy looks like now yeah, it's a demon isn't it? And it yeah it's basically just like a big demonic dragon face kind of thing um and it looks really cool um and of course bruce never gives up so he still tries to fight um but you know he's really kind of clumsy and out of it so he doesn't last very long um and then you know you see this the last shot of their fight was him standing over bruce and uh you know bruce gets put in the ambulance because some guy comes and saves him but he jumps out of the ambulance so he escaped and uh that's about it yeah he gets picked up doesn't he he goes back to because he's still sort of out of it and this is where uh alfred turns around and calls out master bruce um and bs sort of knocks out alfred grabs bruce and throws him back in the back of the ambulance doesn't he takes him off and kidnaps him uh injects him with some sort of serum as well to sort of keep him out of it right um and this is kind of good because this is where the middle of the issue, middle of the series now, and it kind of shifts. Alfred then becomes part of uh, Jean-Paul Valley and uh, Nomas's sort of group, uh, and we learn that um, the uh, basic because the duffel bag was folded over so many times, the uh, bullets didn't actually pierce through the whole costume properly, which ended up saving his life. Um, which, granted, is a very small portion of his body, so BS isn't a very good shot, mind you, um, <laughs> but it, it's still you know he survived. Uh, which is great, yeah. and we kind of get this um, team up then with Alfred BS and um, not Alfred B- Alfred Nomad Moss and uh, yeah. Jean Paul Valley together. Which is kind of cool then, because Jean Paul Valley has now just been sprung into all of this stuff, and he's still very kind of undecided as to where he falls. And he has on one, you know, it's like kind of like the angels on and the demon on his shoulder. And Nemoz is very much stressing that Azrael has to have no emotions and be a protect, be an avenger, not a protector. You know that he he's not he's not a good guy. He just he does his own thing for his own reasons, basically. Whereas Alfred is appealing to his emotions and trying to keep the human alive inside of this young boy. Yeah. Because um, at this and, point, he doesn't even know his name, does he? Right. Yeah. He's kind of really out of it, and so it's kind of neat where you get to see this struggle. Whereas it's not just the team of him and the guy trying to teach him how to be Azrael. Now it's him and the kind of angry little dude teaching him to be Azrael and Alfred, you know, appealing to his, his reasoning it's and his nature, emotions. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's really cool to see. Um, you know, just another part. That, that, that was always a big thing um, even later on in Azrael's series. You know, the kind of struggle to kind of keep human while the suit and the the role drives you insane. Yeah, the system drives you mad, doesn't it? Yeah, so. Mm. And then um, this is, again, it it gets on with it. You kind of then, uh, Lee Ha's um, premise changes a little bit. He then is going to torture Bruce. So they end up giving up all of his finances uh, of Wayne Enterprises over to him. Um, And this is basically, he's got him kidnapped in this this, um, oil refinery somewhere. And then... um, he then decides to, uh, at this point, he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. He's seen the, the garbs underneath. Um, so there's no sort of getting away from that. And the he Batman continues. Sweater. Yeah, he swears. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. I want one of those sweaters. They look awesome. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very cool and kind of classic looking. Um, yeah, so then right after that little uh, scene right there, that little exchange, we see um, more of what I was talking about just a minute ago. 
of, you know, um, Gene Paul Valley is recuperating from the injuries that he just got from the fall. And uh, Alfred's commenting on how he heals so quickly. And um, that even, you know, even though Bruce has a very good uh, immune system and heals very quickly, this kid even rivals him. And he's he's pretty impressed by it. And uh, Gene Paul Valley starts to explain that, oh, it's because of the system and Namaz is training me in it. And my father hypnotized me and basically explaining everything secret about the system. And Namaz just shuts him up real quick, um, you know, and gets kind of at, mad at him. And uh, Alfred tries to say something else, and Namaz is just, you know, really mad. He pulls out a dagger and starts, like, pointing it at Alfred and basically, you know, you got to choose one or the other kind of thing. Um, and saying that, you know, he can't have emotions, he can't have friends, he can't want to protect people. It's, you know, it's very much one or the other. Um, so we see that cool little exchange, and uh, Alfred explains that, Bruce is Batman, which, you know, like we said earlier, kind of should be left to Bruce to explain his own yeah, secret exactly. identity. <laughs> but, you, you know, um, you know, you're given this angry little dwarf, you know, the, one of the greatest secrets in in the world <laughs> and uh, kind of, yeah, lets the bill spills the beans. But you're right, it yeah. creates this um, this dynamic they've created between all well, the conflict within John Paul Valley of, of what side he chooses. You've got no mass on one side saying one thing and yeah. then Alfred sort of being the... Uh, the good angel on the other side, which is really, really yeah. good, and that's what sets up the character so well. It kind of stops him from slipping into the madness, as we see near the end of, of the story. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and in Alfred's defense, you know, sharing that little piece of information about Bruce really kind of endeared Alfred and Bruce more to Gene Paul Valley, which gave him a slightly better chance of, you know, keeping his human side intact, you know, and uh, gave Alfred a little room to stand on with his argument. Yeah. And um, so that was really kind of cool there. Yep, all shaping up very, very nicely in terms of their relationship. Again, it's the, it's the third issue, and you've already got this really good character dynamic between all of them, and it kind of it doesn't seem too cheesy at this point. Kind of seems like it's going to work properly. Um, and then they then carry on with their mission, realizing who's going to be next on the list. And uh, uh, Leha's gone after this uh, this other character. Um, I believe this is in, over in England now, isn't it? Um, where he kind of takes him hostage in his home home, does end up killing him. Um, but they've also got Bruce there as well, where he carries on sort of torturing him to get his secrets. Um, and as the, um, the 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 trio get to the mansion, um, basically he's uh, he, they unleash um, Azrael um, into the mansion to try and do a rescue operation. Um, at this point, Leha is also dressed up as um, puts on the Batman costume. Um, to try and create that demonic aspect of it. I don't really understand why he ended up putting it on, but... Um, yeah. Oh, this is the third fact. They kill somebody off, and then he goes to the next mansion, and then kills off this, this other English dude, um, dressed up as Batman at the point, and then Azrael comes jumping into the rescue um, with his flaming sword, takes out the rest of the guards, uh, which is really cool. And you see the, the, the fat Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, I mean, you only see one little shot of him here. You see more of him in the next issue, but it's just really kind of kind of weird like who knows why he would put on that suit but um yeah so that's basically where it ends with asriel yeah. jumping in that kind of splash page um with the big shot of asriel standing over the yeah, guy puts him into an action yeah. scene it kind of creates his oh it's great because it shows you how how dynamic he yeah. can be as a character and it just really yeah. good imagery and, and it's the first time you get to see that suit in action and it looks really cool so 
Yeah, we got that little scene. Um, and then I guess after that, we're on to issue four, the last issue of the series. No one is innocent. <laughs> and no. It's a very action-packed issue, which is great. Yeah. It just gets on with it and then it sort of finishes which, it off. Which I love the cover. You got Fat Batman with those little shoulder things that we keep talking about. Yeah, we'll sit away. And the little shoulder spikes and Asriel jumping over him and there's just flames everywhere around and it looks really cool except for the fat Batman which is what (laughs) boy Bruce really let himself go (laughs) what has he done (laughs) um yeah so then we basically jump back into that same little scene we do, but this is—I think this is the point where this is what we've mentioned: how um, anti-hero and brutal um, these comics, this this actual series, can be. Um, because the first few pages, we're basically seeing Azrael massacring um, some of the guards on the outside, and he's quite just impaling them f- fully with his fists, setting them alight, yeah. and it's just pretty damn right brutal. <laughs> when I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, you know, how can you, they? try and create a premise of a character this brutal then sort of becoming the batman later down the line but you kind of it's, it's good because it sets it starts off with you know we all know how crazy and, and evil he can be in the suit and they know then halfway through night four why would you even want to let somebody like that be put into the costume so it kind of creates that yeah. element of uh, you know yeah of doubt and there, there is one part though is that you know especially in the beginning because he still holds on to his human nature, you know, his, his good willingness, you know, his, is a good natured spirit is basically what I was trying to say. Um, you know, where it almost seems like maybe eventually he'll be able to control it, you know, and use the skill of the Azrael persona with some of his good spirit in there, um, and become more of a protector than just this brutal killer. Um, but, you know, at first, especially once he gets in that mode, he's gone. You know, it's just, it's it's like an on-off switch. Um, and so we don't see much of that then until, you know, at the very end of the book, like, it gives you a little bit of hope that maybe he'll be able to do that. Um, but right now, it doesn't really look that way. No. Um, although kinda... he, he does he does try to pursue Beefcake Batman <laughs> while, while in Asriel mode. Um, so, Yeah. Mm, which is a really good action the whole thing's just a really good action sequence because eventually he then gets close to Leha who's then put to uh, kidnap Bruce again um, and the, the sort of the limo, limousine scene where he gets sort of knocked out uh, and then he escapes takes it back to the ore refinery um, and then but again you've got this with Nomad it then shifts then to um, uh, Alfred Nomad and, and John Paul Valley and he's shouting at Azrael as an instrument of uh, uh, is an instrument of righteous cru- cruelty yeah, it's not decent. That's it. Azrael is not decent. Azrael is not humane. Azrael is an instrument of righteous cruelty, and this is like, well, you know, yeah, get a grip, mate, get a grip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then Alfred says, because uh, um, I mean that's that what he just said is referring to a p- part of a thing Alfred just said, and Alfred was just, just a moment. The lad was only doing the decent, humane thing. <laughs> Poor fool's devil. Poor devil was dying. That's what he said. Yeah. And, you know, kind of fighting for the goodness in his heart. And then right away, Namaz just shuts that down. Because, um, you know, he's very kind of old school. And yeah, he he's knows got what Azrael is supposed to be. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that's part of what makes Azrael so compelling as a character. Is that he's constantly struggling with what he has to do. And what the suit you know, makes him do, 
and what he would like to do, you know, because like he, he always wants to do the right thing. But sometimes he ends up doing the wrong thing because of the costume. Yeah. And, you know, that persona that he has to have, you know, um, and sometimes they align, you know, sometimes taking out the bad guy is the good thing, um, you know, or the, the person that he has to uh, of, um, I don't know what the lay vengeance upon uh, actually is a bad guy, you know, a lot of the time. So it works out. But, you know, this is kind of more of what I was talking about earlier with Alfred, you know, and kind of that, that dualism that they play on a lot in yeah. this series, you know? Um, mm. And in this case, it's between this boy wanting to be good and trying to do the right thing, but at the same time being forced to do the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. And it, it could be honest with you. I mean, Alfred has been instrumental in this whole series so far in, yeah. in, in you know, creating the character we've all come to love. You know, he, he's the one who ends up stopping him from, from making the wrong decision at the end, which is really, really good. Really well, yeah. again, well written by Danny O'Neill on that one. Um, so then obviously they're, they're trying to figure out where Leha's taken uh, Bruce uh, and they originally um, on the list of, of, of people who are going to visit. There's someone in Texas uh, that they're not going to go to. So they end up figuring out that's going to be Leha's um, all refinery. Um, that's where he's all held up. So they head there, and then we can switch to Bruce and, and um, Leha in the in the refinery. Bruce is tied up on this pipe, um, and it kind of gives a bit of an explanation in terms of why he put the costume on. But it gives Bruce the um, sort of the argument in terms of tricking him into thinking, you know, why have you put the costume on when you've got your when you're following the law BS, um, you know, in terms of are you a failure, and kind of sets that seed um, within the, within the madman, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and and I love the um, the little reference there that I actually did some research on this when I read it because I really wanted to know. Um, Bruce makes a reference. Uh, he says, "Nice place you got here. Who was your decorator, Torquemada?" And apparently, this guy Torquemada was like influential in the Spanish Inquisition, and was just like a really horrible guy that <laughs> kind of went on a crusade against people, um, and just known for being like a really dark, evil guy and kind of you know barren. Um, and so he's just basically making reference to how he's crazy and evil. Um, and torture and, him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, mm. Torture him wearing the wearing the bat suit yeah. and bringing also, shame to it. <laughs> exactly. It's also good because you realize, I mean, that Leha is desperately trying to get his secrets out of the company. Uh, and he's yeah. tested this, this massive drug on him. Uh, and Bruce has managed to fight this truth serum. Um, so then he they, they, they then starts resorting to the actual physical torture of him. Um, which yeah. is good because then it kind of gives that moment of um, Bruce's he's sort of his moment of trying to escape doesn't it where um, he ends up knocking the uh, was it just after that isn't it where the, the, the Jean-Paul Valley um, Alfred and uh, Nomaz end up getting to the refinery doing a bit of reconnaissance yeah. and trying to get into the actual um, complex itself which is kind of the, the moment where it all comes together because just as Lee Howe's about to right. stab Bruce um divine intervention happens where there's a lightning strike and it takes out all the power and ends up opening up the um the, the doors for them conveniently which yeah. i thought was a bit hokey but it kind of was the end you know i think maybe this is how they had to end the issue off and just create that that spiritual divine intervention yeah i love um you kind of missed the or passed over the one part though that we're in the middle of torturing him bruce is trying to play a head game on him to kind of get him to go, you know, you know, go a little more crazy and, you know, make a mistake. Uh, give, yeah. Yeah. Give Bruce an a chance to get out. Um, 
and so he, he says, uh, you know, you realize, like, when you're wearing that suit, you're worshipping my demon. Yeah. You know, the demon I created since I was eight years old and have been using for years, you know, and uh, it just kind of drives him a little crazier to the point where he says, all right, I'm not going to torture you anymore. I just want to kill you now. <laughs> and Bruce is just like, oh, this backfired. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, it's a great scene, like though, that said, Leha with his grin, he's got that little grinning at that. At oh, him. yeah. Very demonic. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, then um, they break in and the power goes out. And there's that cool shot of Azrael just easily slicing through the gate like it was butter. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and then, of course, Laha gets has to get naked again, which... What no is that really all about? Well, why is there more nakedness? <laughs> I don't know. And he's the only one. He's the, the fattest, ugliest one, but he's naked all the time. I, I don't With get his it. white face. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, then uh, he comes up and tries to stab Bruce, and Bruce kicks him and gets him to go away for a little while. Um, and then the light goes out. And Bruce, again, trying to play head games with him to the point where the guy's charging him. Um, and right when he's about to actually do it and kill Bruce, Azrael comes in. And he says his little speech, like you said, uh, in the, the first issue, uh, the speech his father said, uh, know that men call you liar. Know that men call you betrayer. Know that men call you defiler. And, you know, comes in to, you know, destroy him. Um, yeah, which again is another great sequence at this point. Um, yeah. Azrael just becomes really cool, kick-ass character. Um, his visuals are awesome. He just looks, you know, like the action-packed hero he needs to be Definitely. by the end of this series. Right. All the bullets then ping yeah. off it because his bulletproof his arm is that he is bulletproof, so all yeah. the bullets spray off. And the cool shots of him walking through the flames. Yeah. Yeah, just epic looking. See, this you is know, why and... we love Azrael, because in the yeah. series end of getting afterwards, well, which is fantastic. Well, let's clarify. This is why we love the Jean Paul Valley Azrael. Yes, the John Boy. <laughs> Michael Lane is a sad imitation That's of the sucked original. sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> we had such high hopes for that, and unfortunately it didn't, but I, I'm... I'm gonna say I'm I'm kind of holding up hope now that they're revamping the DC universe, that if they ever use Azrael again, they'll find a way to bring back Jean Paul Valley. Exactly. Because they'll realize they bring back as a Black Lantern. I don't yeah, care. <laughs> yeah. You got one little shot of him since he died, and it was just him as a Black Lantern, being like, "You don't deserve me," <laughs> like going to <laughs> kill the guy. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, it was a really cool little shot, but I'm just kind of disappointed that that's all we saw. Um, Granted, I haven't kept up on the new Azrael book, but I was hoping that at some point they would show him, uh, you know, even if it's just the spirit of Jean Paul Valley interacting with it somehow, you know, but that never really happened. It was just kind of his own new story, and it was yeah, so dumb. Yeah, he didn't do as well but, as we thought he did. Yeah, um, <laughs> I stuck on with it longer than most of us did, but it just wasn't worth it. <sighs> um but anyway, so after that, you know, you see the flames and Azrael walks through the flames towards Bruce. Um, you know, and Bruce is still kind of drugged and not doing so well. And uh, you see uh, Jean Paul Valley makes the right choice. He picks up Bruce and wraps him in the flame retardant cape and walks him out. Um, rather than, you know, normally Azrael is supposed to destroy and kill. Um, but this time he did the right thing. He was yeah, to know Mass is, um, to. Saddened by this, isn't he? Yeah, 
Yeah, Namaz is saddened, but uh, you see one little shot of um, Alfred. He's just like, yes, yes, lad, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> and that's just kind of cool. Yeah, it um, creates that redeemableness about it, doesn't it, at the very end of it. Everything right. went for at the beginning of the issue, which was so brutal, to the point where right, he ends up rescuing Bruce from the flames, uh, his aura refinery as it goes up in smoke, massive explosion scene. Um, right. And to be honest, this is kind of the only disappointment I have with this issue because the ending to me was very, very flat. Um, oh, yeah. he, he rescues him. This is the the final page. Just before this is the massive explosion. They all jump to safety, and then it's just set into three panels. And you've got Bruce sort of um, sort of lying there, dazed, um, uh, weak but alive. And then you've got No Mass having a go at him, saying, "You disobeyed my orders." Um, and then he, Azrael turns around, says, "I am not an angel. I am a man. My name is Jean Paul Valley. Uh, that was my father's name too." And it ends. And that's yeah. it. And also, like, well, you know, maybe there should have been a, a just a scene after this where you know, you know Bruce kind of, you know, commends him, and you realise, yeah. you know, that you know, Alfred tells you that he's made the right decision, and you kind of create and, that. And then we didn't even really get a fight with the the main bad guy. You know, it was just kind of he was torturing Bruce. Asriel comes in. The guy tries to shoot him. One of the stray bullets hits the oil lights it up on fire they all escape and he's absorbed by the flames and that's all we see yep you know like it's kind of anticlimactic you know there's this whole thing leading towards something and i mean granted this whole mini series was more about uh you know the beginning of uh you know gene paul valley's journey as asriel um more setting up his character than anything else but you know i mean i still think they should have been at least a little more payoff with that battle um, but there yeah. really wasn't anything. It's just kind of, Asriel comes in, oh, battle's over, everybody's in flames, uh, they get away, and then, you know... Mm, there's no Mars explanation as, you know, that's what I mean, the very end of this, there should have been some sort of sequence that said, you know, they never found Leha's body, or, you know, he, you know, he died right, in the right. explosion. And that's kind of sort of, it's not even hinted of, obviously we will explain this further and, into and the like storylines. Like you said, all they all they really mentioned was like they had one shot to show that Bruce was alive and okay, and then you know you see Alfred on the ground saying Bruce, so you know he's okay, and then that's it. You know, it's just the like you said, it's just kind of over. No, um, but it's I mean, but, but don't be wrong. This is this is good because I mean, if I had to, this whole mini series, um, I'll score it was four out of five. Reason being because um, oh, it, it gets yeah. on with the storyline. It gives you Jean Paul Valley's background perfectly. The artwork's great. The only reason I don't give it a five out of five is because of the the, the sort of the the naff ending that came out from it. But um, moving on, to the, the next podcast we'll be covering. Um, after the next one, after the, the Vengeance of Bane, um, is the prequel, which is the introduction to Azrael into the Batman comics as a main right. character, and then we get a full four issues of um, his sort of training, then with alongside Robin and, and Batman. So yeah. you know, it's not left in in the air. It's kind of like, oh, that's the end of this series. Um, which I mean, probably at the time when we would have read this, when it was released, it would have been like a, oh, was that it? And I probably would have yeah. been very disappointed with it. But knowing what happens after this. It kind yeah. of, you know, it makes you want to then carry on yeah. with the rest of the story. Because like. because we read it now again after the fact, and we know that there's more to come. It's not as bad. No. But, you know, um, like if I had just read this, you know, like if if there was never an Azrael character before, and that uh, the Azrael miniseries that we got a couple of years ago was this, I would have been kind of disappointed at the end. You know, it's like, really? Like, that's it? Um... You know, it's just kind of like you said. Like I, I never really thought about it that much before, but it's just kind of a, 
kind of an anticlimactic ending, you know. Um, and I, I think I would give it a four out of five too, but more for the nakedness of the, the fact. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd have to knock it down on <laughs> a notch for the nakedness. Yeah, right. It's like three and a half <laughs> it's three now. Three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but really, it's not that bad. It's a it's a solid four, I'd say. You know, a really good story. Um, good character build up, and it's exactly yeah, what they and, and a great achieve. introduction to the character. Yeah. is really more the important thing. Yeah, and it's exactly what they were set out to achieve, wasn't it? This with, with uh, the next right. episode about about Bane and the Vengeance of Bane. So, you know, there's two key characters that are part of this whole storyline. Uh, we've, we've already seen the first one now, so you know, for us, it's you know, it's a good introduction, and it's a very good miniseries. So, if you know, uh, everyone listening to this. Um, it's a good one to pick up and actually start off with instead of just going back to Nightfall from the beginning, you know, yeah, start off where it, where it kind of began, which is here. I, I agree. I mean, it, it's definitely a great launching point and it really gives you an introduction to the Azrael character. Um, and even if you don't really feel like reading Nightfall, if you've read the new Azrael series and you just got so disappointed that you cried and, you know, um, just really kind of wanted to like hurt somebody because it was so bad. <laughs> uh, you can read this new series, uh, this introduction to the better Azrael. Exactly. Um, yeah, Michael Lane is Azrael light. You know, I mean, he's he's kind of same, but he's really just a poor imitation of the original. Yeah, exactly. It's just um, the spirit of Azrael that's that kind of yeah. drives that series, and that was it, really. Plus, I mean, this this character had the benefit also of being introduced. And then playing a huge role in a major Batman storyline, rather than you know this Asriel, he just kind of got introduced in a cool way, I guess, and then that was it. It just kind of dwindled, you know, um, in his own series that no one really cared about. But you know, this Asriel got a really cool introduction in that he was in a major Batman story. And played a very big role in it. Yeah, I mean, he was created solely for this, wasn't he? So they didn't just yeah, introduce yeah. him into the comics, you know, and crown with the storyline. He was given this yeah. miniseries first, as a, and they knew what they were doing with him. So um, it was very, very well planned and thought out, I think. Yeah, and it worked very well. Yeah, um, very, very well. I mean, obviously, we're still talking about it, and it's you know almost ten years later. So, <laughs> or geez, almost twenty years later. Wow. Yes, exactly. How would that? Holy how? Cow. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel really old. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> oh man. Um. But yeah. I mean, it's definitely a great story. Um. And a really good introduction. So I mean, I totally agree with that. A four out of five. Definitely. Cool. So, um, right. So, um, so just going to do a quick pro character profile on John. I wouldn't do too much because obviously it's going to give away his storyline in terms of what happens through the whole Night Quest and and Night's End saga. Um, but just to mention, obviously, um, his powers and abilities first of all. Um, and this is um, I'm taking this directly from uh, from Wikipedia and and the uh, the Batman Encyclopedia. But um, the source of Azrael's ability is a post hypnotic training um, regime um, known as the System Regime, known as the System. Um, and the details of the system are never fully explained, but it's understood that the training um, begins from birth and includes genetic modification um, and parental electric shock therapy. Uh, the, and, and the use of apes as surrogate mothers. I uh, didn't know that. Uh, the end result is a human being who is in, inhumanly strong and fast and has the raging split personality triggered by the donning of the Azrael costume. Um, 
so basically, yeah, you've got this genetically modified um, ape surrogate mother-induced um, um, killing machine, oh. uh, which yeah. is always which is always a dynamic um, uh, way way of going about it. I didn't realize that that he had enhanced strength and such. No, and yeah. a lot of this is obviously explained for the example. Once the right. Nightfall series ends uh, with Night's End, um, he then actually gets his own ongoing series. Uh, Bruce Wayne ends up giving him his. Um, uh, his money to help him travel the world and sort of explore the whole order of Saint Dumas. And uh, the series was written by uh, Denny O'Neill for a full hundred issues um, until he was unfortunately he comes to a, d- a demise at the end of, the, of that series. Um, to, uh, to, to my standards, because it was a good series. Um, and going back and, and reading, and that, I'm looking forward to getting some more of them back issues and sort of finish off that whole collection. I got the first sort of set. Um, and what happens through the, the Azrael series, it goes through a dynamic shift. You've got um, him exploring the Order, um, a lot of assassins and things like that. It grooms this whole Order, uh, the Knights of the Holy Crusade um, characters are in this this thing. But then halfway through the series, um, it then t- becomes Azrael, Agent of the Bat. And he kind of goes back to his full um, Nightfall costume again, which is really, really cool to see. Um, and one of the exciting things about that, that series for me. Um, but it's just yeah. the... Um, uh, his actual equipment in terms of the, how the evolution of this character started obviously at the beginning of this this miniseries it's just the general uh, crusader garb with an actual sword that's flaming uh, he then right. evolves that into another suit with the actual spike that comes out of it and you can see this evolution of, of the actual character himself um, even as he moves through the Batman costumes with the, the, the technology and the gadgets that he uses, the shurikens um, the flamethrowers, the flaming swords it all plays an integral role throughout his actual costume uh, and he's, I mean, he's 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 no different to, to to Batman, is he? He hasn't got any superpowers other than this yeah. uh, strange system that he's been given uh, in right. order to sort of become this all-encompassing killer assassin. It's and been I'm assuming, birth. I'm assuming it says that enhanced strength, but I'm I'm assuming it really means more um, that he, uh, you know, kind of fight or flight, you know, where um, adrenaline beefs up your your strength and your system. Um, th- that's what I'm guessing more is what it is rather than like supernatural type mm. uh, apparently the split personality is apparently coached to believe it is an actual biblical angel of vengeance so it kind of right. yeah it's, it creates that um, human psyche of uh, him becoming you know you are the all encompassing angel you are unstoppable and you just go into a complete fit of rage right that's I, I like that though. um one thing that's interesting is they they say that uh, um, Azrael's costume changes several times throughout his run, and that that reflects the man's own mentality. Um, you know, the Gene Paul Valley. You know, he had different things going on at different points in his life, and he would change his costume to reflect that, rather than just you know, oh, there's new technology out. You know, it's it's different than that. Um, and that's kind of cool that I, I just read this. Uh, he was um, he showed in in the miniseries we just read a little bit of deductive skills when they were tracing Bruce, um, and apparently uh, they they mentioned that they didn't really use that again, and that later on he was kind of trained a little bit by Batman and Robin in detective work, but he didn't really know much in his own. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, he, exactly. He did, he did show some, uh, some of the same mentality, which I'm assuming is just in that mini series, to kind of um, to compare him to Bruce, you know, so that it's more of a 
you know that that series especially was all about duality you know and um opposite sides of the coin and things like that mm. and i think that was quite a lot isn't it, in the play. batman universe as it is right and i'm sure that's one of the things they were trying to play with you know because like we said earlier one of the reasons they created Azrael was because they wanted to experiment with a darker batman so they wanted to make him also like batman you know and i guess that's why they showed that in the miniseries and earlier on his career um, to kind of make him more like Batman. And then later on, they moved away from that a bit when they realized they should have him be his own character rather than a dark Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if, I mean, for me, the nightfall series is his pivotal story. This is what creates his, his fall from grace in the end, really, isn't it? Uh, and then you get his actual ongoing series, which originally started in 1995 uh, and ended in 2003. Um, and, it, and it originally was was just titled as Azrael up to issue forty seven, and then switches to Azrael, Agent of the Bat, um, where he gets his sort of newer newer costume. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't. It, it, the great thing about that series also is that there's an issue in there where it's the return of Bane, um, so he kind of puts them up against each other again as well. So it's just they always kind of teased and hint uh, at you know his his past and what happened to him as as the Batman character. So. Um, yeah. I think that's one reason why I've loved him for so long as a, as a character. And you know, when that series was ended, I, w- I was gutted. Uh, granted, I wasn't collecting comic books quite vividly at that, you know, as intensely at that point. Um, but obviously, when I realised that it ended, it was oh, I kind of wish that would have carried on going. Yeah, um, I- I'm really intrigued. Uh, um, there's one thing here that I hadn't really even thought about, but apparently, there's a big rumor that Jean Paul Valley will be mentioned in the Dark Knight Rises. Yes, exactly. Um, to reference the Nightfall saga. Because, you know, I, I, we already know that Bane's involved. Um, and, and Catwoman's in the story, and she played, you know, a big side role in Nightfall. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure exactly if that's... You know, I, I don't know if that's going to be true, obviously. It's, it's really hard to say at this point. No. But um, if it is, but, it's a testament to the actual characters themselves. Obviously, Bane definitely. is now a major character in one of the biggest Batman movies of all yeah. time. Um, so it's a testament and, to the And I'm creation. glad they're taking him seriously this yes. time. Rather than just having him be a mindless brute like he was in Batman and Robin. Um, and by the way, speaking of which, I was thinking of it earlier when we saw Jim Gordon for that one little scene in uh, the first issue. And uh, it reminded me of we had just done the podcast commentaries for the uh the earlier batman movies and we just had to laugh at how underutilized jim gordon is in those movies yeah and how he's always just like this this kind of fat guy bumbling character yeah but anyways um yeah so it's that'll be interesting to see if they even not even as as real but if they have gene paul valley somehow play a role um you know, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, um, there was um, like speculation that possibly uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt could possibly play that character. And um, the cop, is, is he um, they, with Burke, he's going to be in, isn't he? But there was speculation whether or not he could, that could have been him right. when they mentioned Bane was going to be in it and the possible Nightfall storyline is going to play out somewhere yeah. in, in the movie. So it's just a testament that, that was... it, he's being kept alive, Nightfall is being kept alive to this day yeah. um, just by simple things coming out from different storylines and, and other media. I was looking at the cast list as well, and I thought it was pretty interesting that um, there is a there is a uh, actor listed as playing a priest in the cast list, 
and that's all it says is a priest. Uh, um, and Azrael is a very religious related character. Um, so that would be kind of interesting yeah. if that play, if that does play a role in it. I mean, obviously anything we can say now is just speculation. Um, you know, so that, that, but that would be really interesting if nightfall is even remotely, you know, adapted. Mentioned for or hinted at. Even if they made yeah. it into a movie, I would love to see this whole series as an animated oh, yeah. uh, movie. It would be brilliant. They're doing the Dark Knight Returns as, as a as a two two volume DVD. So, right. you know, what's stopping them from doing Nightfall would be absolutely epic. Yeah, I mean, if I'm sure if they keep going with these, you know, they'll they'll do it eventually. I mean, they've done a lot of other big stories. Yeah, so, and that day I'll be a very happy man. That'll be awesome. Oh, wouldn't it be? Especially if it was a two parter like this one is. Yeah. Like, just really do it right. Oh, they did a trilogy. They did the whole Night 4 and Night oh. Quest and Night's End. How great really would that be? Epic. Oh. Dude. That would be amazing. I mean, any adapt- adaptation of it, as long as it's done well, I- I'd yeah. be happy to see. Because, I mean, th- this story is just such an important story for us and um, a really good, compelling story at the same time. So Yeah. And it spins. I mean, it doesn't end at, at Night's End. There's so much stuff that happens afterwards, like Azrael's miniseries or his actual ongoing series and that. So... Um, an absolute testament to what what they create here, and I'm looking forward to to, uh, to going through each issue and and you know reliving like, what happened back in in, in the 90s, uh, early 90s when we yeah. originally first started reading this. So um, that kind of is a good sort of sort of, sort of spot for us to to end really. Um, so uh, moving forward, next episode uh, we're going to have Vengeance of Bane. Um, and we're going to do a spotlight ca- character look at um, Bane's evolution. Um, Garen is probably one of the bigger characters and, and the, the, one of the bigger villains that's come out of mainstream uh, early late uh, 20th century in terms of a character that's kind of stuck within the Batman universe. So um, that's what we'll be doing on episode uh, episode two, and hopefully Tim will be joining us then. Um, and just for me, um, we would love to receive some fan mail um, from you guys. Let us know what you thought, um, whether or not we've, it's a complete failure, what we'd like to, to, to focus on, um, your favourite moments from Nightfall, um, and just sort of let get some feedback. We'd love to get your feedback. Uh, and even uh, this is going to go up on iTunes uh, when we get this published, so just send us reviews uh, and just sort of um, help us uh, get on, on, on listens there and, and um, hopefully more and more people start seeing this as, as a podcast. Um, and again, invite you to check out the website, uh, www.batman-nightfall.com, um, where we'll be posting all the podcast and all the cover galleries that will be on there, behind the scenes stuff as I as we try and investigate more about the whole Nightfall uh, saga itself. Um, and we've also got a Facebook page. Uh, we've got a link on there. So uh, join where I'll be um, rambling on about different things that are going on on the actual site and the podcast itself. Uh, so moving forward. So yeah, if um, you want to send us an email to bob at gothamnightsonline.com. Um, I'm using the same inbox just to avoid any uh, duplication of, of work. So, yep, you can knock us up an email there as well or just post us on Facebook. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and what you thought and get some feedback on, on the actual podcast itself. Um, so I uh, want to thank Gary first of all for the first episode um, it's been awesome just to sit back and go through this first brilliant mini series and I'm looking forward to um, to getting through to, to the actual the, 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 the juicy ep- ep- issues with the actual Nightfall saga definitely it's been exciting and it's good to good to really dig into this story because you know we always talk about it being one of our favourites you know so it's cool to to really get into it and explore it a little more you know Exactly, and that's our aim. We're hoping to take you through uh, a historical journey of Nightfall right through to the Night's End Aftermath and, and probably beyond. 
so um, I'm going to thank everyone for, for taking the time to listen to this and um, we shall uh, get you next time around bye everybody bye